When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Good to be with you on a Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Connor Clark is in. Numbers to dial up. And uh, join us today on Hale Varsity Radio. 466-3776-4663776-800-825-5865. Can email the show Chris at Hale Varsity. Dot com and uh, able to watch the show on different platforms, ESPN, Lincoln, Facebook, and Twitter. Also, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel and can stream the show and watch and listen on the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter handle at HVarsity Radio. Catch coffee and cream, Damon and Andrew in the morning, 7 to 9. Find us on your way home, 4 to 6, of course, across the Hale Varsity Network on uh, several stations there. Twitter handles to follow us on at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt, that's me at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. Connor Clark at C underscore Clark underscore 27. I do not have any confetti for you, Elijah Herbal, uh, and your Denver Broncos landing Sean Payton. Dare I say settling on Sean Payton. I didn't Broncos know. country, let's ride. Thank you, Russell. <laughs> There's uh, Jeff the Pharmacist and uh, maybe uh, the Ericsons nodding in agreement to those of the Denver fans I know aside from you. But we'll get there. College basketball tonight, Nebraska, Illinois. Is it pinata time? Yes. Will they cover? Don't know. How ugly will it get? As uh, Nebraska is at Illinois, Big Ten uh, tip off at six. Andy Markowski in one hour. In about 20 minutes, Mitch Sherman will talk some Nebraska football with him, how are things in the chase for Riola? Uh, what's the well? What's the itinerary look like tomorrow? Any surprise additions for signing day 2.0 for Nebraska's 2023 class? We shall see. But uh, guys, what's shaking? How's uh, how's the the day been? Uh, fresh off your no rock no block podcast appearance last night, then you get this news. Denver has a fighting chance in the AFC West. Yeah, what a 24 hours for me. Uh, awesome time with uh, the No Block, No Rock fellows last night up at the Nebraska Brewing Company. That was awesome. You can check that out. That's posted anywhere if uh, you want some more time with me. Uh, we uh, had a lot of fun. Talked some uh, some umpiring experience and how it relates to <laughs> to the AFC Championship game. That was good Why stuff. Did, then- did you ever launch anybody? Did you ever just blow several calls in the latter innings? I mean, was it along those lines of questioning? Yes. And uh, we talked about the, the 12-year-old that my umping partner had to eject one time for words I cannot say over the uh, the airwaves. Well done. But uh, anyway, that was last night. Today, Sean Payton, and 
Who knows? There's a lot of smoke out there about, well, the Broncos wanted D'Amico Ryans earlier today. Regardless, Sean Payton is a phenomenal head coach. It's an upgrade on Nathaniel Hackett. The Broncos do send a first-round pick to the Saints for Sean Payton, which on its face you go, that's a little worrisome for a, a coach that has I didn't know they had a first-round pick to send. <laughs> this is to where I'm honest, going. So this is I. where right? I'm going. I mean, I'm like, okay, where are you coming up with that first-round pick? <laughs> So they traded Bradley Chubb to the Dolphins right oh, before they're... the trade deadline. So this, in essence, <laughs> oh, no. is trading Bradley Chubb for Sean Payton. When you put it like that, I go, okay, you know what? If we're straight up going Bradley Chubb for Sean Payton, I'll take that trade. I mean, Bradley Chubb was solid during his time with the Broncos, mm-hmm. never quite lived up to the hype of a, of a former top 10 pick. And if we get Sean Payton out of the deal, I am, I am just fine with that. The Broncos need some talent. We'll see what they do in this year's draft now without – that first round pick, but it was like the 29th overall pick anyway. So what are you going to get there? I'm, I'm, I'm excited for Sean Payton. It's a step up and there is hope yet again in Broncos country. Well, I hope you get 18 points a game. That's what I hope you get because I mean, 16.9 wouldn't cover. Uh, it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, Bears fan throwing shade at Denver fans. Quite funny. I wish I had an NFL team to cheer for. I, I, I no, don't. you don't. No, you don't. After seven years of not beating the Chiefs and just being the doormat of the AFC West, you're don't don't don't. Okay, pick a team. what? Are, let me ask you this: Are you more optimistic next year for your Broncos or your Huskers? Oh, Huskers, and it's not even close. Okay, it is not even <laughs> just, close. Now, just, now, Russell Wilson's got a great history. It wouldn't shock me if under a new head coach he was able to find some more success. But look at the division. There's some killers in that division with Mahomes and Herbert and who knows what the Raiders are going to be doing next season at quarterback, but it's still just like Tom Brady in addition just for fun. It's it's possible. It's just a killer, killer division. The the Big Ten West looks up for grabs, so I think it's okay to be a little more bullish on the Huskers and on the Broncos. One is uh, not like the other. Well, I mean, one of them lost by 50 points to a team that won four games this season. The other one lost to a team that only won one game last season against Nebraska. So it's it's not like there's all that many reasons for, for hope on either side. Yet, we still find ourselves with some hope for Husker football based on what Matt Rule has been doing in the recruiting trail uh, and just that, that, that new energy he's bringing in. And we'll see what kind of energy Sean Payton can bring to the Broncos. But something tells me there's more barriers in Denver to success than there are in Lincoln simply because of opposition next season. That's that's absolutely fair. Uh, heard yesterday from Ed Foley and Terrence Knighton. Uh, they were entertaining, but pretty much on point. And uh, there just seems to be quite a bit of confidence from this staff. Every time you hear from new staff members, and of course, Matt Rule, they're, they're bullish on, on what they can do. Uh, they're very confident in what they can do. And let me ask the, the room here, you know, what gives you the most confidence for Nebraska? We'll get into this with Mitch and revisit it in the second hour. But really good article from Scott Docterman as he kind of lays out some storylines for the uh, Big Ten season of 2023, the final hurrah for Nebraska to win a West division uh, again. Okay. And then... Uh, a, a final hurrah before Hollywood moves into the Big Ten. And when it comes to optimism, here is what is real with Nebraska football. And really good work by our, our friend Scott Docterman. He touches on Northwestern. He talks about Penn State. There's questions about Michigan and Ohio State. Nebraska's brought up. And, look, there's, there's energy. There's excitement for Nebraska because of Rule and his track record. Uh, you have... 
the the portal uh, additions for Nebraska, and the the quest is to be consistent in the Big Ten and be relevant in the Big Ten. Nebraska has been relevant in the Big Ten by name only, right? They've drawn eyeballs. They've been put in some tough situations with scheduling, specifically to start the year, be it Ireland or be it Champaign. Nebraska has not been a better program uh, on the field for quite some time, and they have been worst or second to worst in the division more times than not the last few years. And it comes down to production here with Nebraska. They're 13th in the league in wins the last handful of years with just 23. They're 12th in uh, league wins with 16. They're 13th overall with just 23 wins overall. Scoring offense right around 23 a game. Scoring defense 27.6 a game. And that was much worse before Bill Bush took over. They're 102nd in scoring offense, 77th in scoring defense. This is what sticks out to me, fellas, not to bore you with numbers, but it really kind of represents where Nebraska's been as a program. You hate to hear it. You can't, some of us old guys can't fathom it, but it's been reality where they're the 100th ranked rushing team in college football. Just right at 123 yards a game. It surprises me it's that high, actually. Well, but <laughs> well, last year with Whip, I mean, it was, I guess we'll run it, you know. <laughs> okay. If we have to. If we ha- yeah, you know, let's go four wide and chuck this bastard. <laughs> okay. But put seriously. Put that on a t shirt. Right. But not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> not anymore. But 100, 100 and a quarter a game. All right. Uh, rushing the ball, that's good for the century mark, 100th out of 130 teams. Uh, you're 108th in rushing yards allowed at 190 a game. And then you look at total offense, you're below, in this era of college football, you're at 400, you're less than 400 yards in total offense. And think about how many of the big plays, I mean, think about, uh, about how many 30-plus yard plays Nebraska had last year. I mean, all the Palmer screw it, let's chuck it deep to, to Trey, or an occasional scramble for a handful of yards, or you find Vokalek for 28. Nebraska averaged 344 yards total offense, and that is kind of surprising because it was absolutely anemic when you're down to second, third, fourth, eighth team quarterback for a good stretch there post-Casey Thompson. Uh, total, total defense, you're allowing 414, that's 100th. So, We'll get into the rise and fall picks of 2023, who climb, who climbs the ladder, who falls down the ladder in a little bit. But, you know, for Nebraska to be relevant here, let's just say into November, and not relevant as a spoiler like they were for Iowa. Uh, for them to be relevant, they've got to jump 50 spots in each category, I think. Now, that may be a big ask to go to top 30 defensively, based on who's back and what they've got coming in and expecting it to mesh with the new defense. I mean, the installation of a new scheme. Like, there, there's a lot of hoops to jump through. Right, and and it's it's not that it can't be taught or understood, but how quick do you understand it and start playing fast and doing your job? Well, and, I, I and, then, the, the, and then you look just real quick offensively. Yeah. I mean, it, it, 30's the number, guys. 30's the number. You keep them below 30 defensively. You score 30. And you're going to win the ball game in the Big Ten a lot of times. Well, and that's where I was going to go is the defense. You got a lot of hoops to jump through, but offensively, 
it's really just building an offensive line. And that's easier said than done, especially in one to two seasons, which is Donovan Royola's task here. But build an offensive line, get it respectable in the Big Ten, you know, somewhere middle-of-the-road type offensive line in the Big Ten. And you can get all those offensive numbers up by 40 spots, 50 spots, in my opinion. When you just look at the talent that Nebraska has, whether it be Casey Thompson, we've seen the talent that he brings to the quarterback position. Is he a top 10 quarterback in the country? No. Is he good enough to go win you eight or nine games? top five in the league. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think he's good enough to go win you eight or nine games if he has talent around him. You look at uh, what Nebraska has at running back, and Anthony Grant flashed potential last season, and behind a better offensive line, I think you expect better numbers, and you combine that with a healthy A.J. Allen turning this year. We'll see what Ramir Johnson does, and uh, there's potential there at the wide receiver spot. Uh, You've brought in a guy in Xavier Betts, a guy in Billy Kemp. You have talent at that wide receiver spot. And then look at tight end with Eric Gilbert and Thomas Fedoni. There's a lot of talent on this offense. It comes down to how much better can this offensive line be? Can they just be respectable? And if they can, I can see all those numbers offensively jumping up into at least the top 40 range. I don't think that's too much of an ask if the offensive line makes the strides, which which should be possible in an offseason based on what other offensive lines do. I'm not saying they're going to jump in and, and be the likes of Michigan or Wisconsin teams of years past as an offensive line, but if you can just be all right, your offense is good enough to, to cover up some deficiencies along the offensive Don't line. Don't be bad, but it's still a tall task when you look at where the numbers are at going into this season, and it's it, it's nice to speak out loud, guys, what could be but you haven't seen it yet from a number of these guys. Well, you mentioned the jumping of about 50 spots per category I mean, is a sounds, large jump. That sounds giant. Well, I I see you cut that in half mentally. If that's something 25? you're going to focus on, I think you jump 25 this year, make that your goal. Because I feel like that's a lot more attainable because, okay, you go stat-wise, numbers, you want to jump 50 spots, right? Well, what – how does that translate to, say, a record jump, right? Because you sit at those numbers at 4-8. and eight. Okay, so what does that record look like after jumping 50 spots? Because I think if you cut that in half to 25, that gets you to 6-6 six and six probably. Or better, a little so, shade better. Yeah. And, and that's where you want to be at least in year one. I mean, obviously, you don't expect to go out there and, and win a championship. I don't, I don't know, maybe you do, and you just turn it around right away. But I think you cut that in half and make it a realistic, okay, let's jump 25 spots in each category. Let's get to the postseason. No matter what that postseason looks like, let's just get there because you haven't had it for a very, very long time now. And that's something that the fan base needs. Is something that the coaching staff really needs in this first year because obviously all the hype surrounding Coach Rule and what he's done this offseason and all the positive headlines that have come out of this, it doesn't matter until you see the results on the field. And if they can get that already – I think that's a big jump. So I think you cut that in half to 25. But I'd just like to add, not to come in from the high and mighty Husker fan who thinks that Nebraska is so much better, but look at the 25 to 50 teams that Nebraska would have to jump. Simply put, they don't have the type of athletes that Nebraska has. I don't want to to look down upon these programs because they have been doing better than Nebraska in recent years. But based on the type of athletes that Nebraska has been able to bring in in years past and the type of athletes they're able to bring in this offseason, 25 shouldn't be that much of an ask. I mean... You're talking, oh, we're jumping the 95th best offense in the country. Who is that? Like, realistically, why the Boston hell is Boston College? Yeah. I mean, it's Liberty. Air Force. I mean, it's... I mean, it's not like teams that are out-athleting, out-athleting they're, they're, Nebraska, like Michigan and Ohio State. It's not those teams. It's teams that are just out-executing Nebraska. Nebraska needs to get their athletes working in unison, working in harmony, and turning them into football players. And I don't think a 25-point jump should be all that unrealistic. Well, you, to be fair, they're not opening the schedule on the road in a Big Ten environment. That's true. 
That's true. But again, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> again, yeah. but but I don't think this this team is going to be based on the results in game one. We've talked about that in years past. Right. How important game one has been for Scott Frost and setting the tone for the season. This is year one for Rule, and I think Rule is expecting to have a team that's going to look a hell of a lot better week 12 than they are in week one. So I don't think you can read too far into what week one is going to look like. Different feel, but if they if they go get it done Thursday night in Minneapolis, that's, that's a tone awesome. Center. That's a big-time tone center. The but thing, it's, it's not a game that I'd call must-win. No, but I listen, be it's, nice it's, to it's, have. I'd say it's gettable. You know, it's, yeah. been, it's been gettable when you've underachieved vastly the last few years. Uh, what do you do this year, whether the experienced guy wins the job again or you've got a freak athlete as your dual-threat dual quarterback with a theoretically an improved offensive line? Work ethic, ability to adapt to the league, and uh, getting what November can bring in the weather conditions. Those are things that you're excited about with Matt Rule. We'll see how it shakes out. Mitch Sherman joins us next on Hale Varsity. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. He's in his 30s. But sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a hot, preteen Swedish boy. Thank you, Kramer. Hail Varsity continues on, presented by Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. We say hi to Mitch Sherman from The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, what's the good word? How are we doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys? We're good. We're just talking uh, some Nebraska football, some off-season chatter. Elijah wants uh, confetti and streamers for the Denver Bronco hire. His Denver Broncos getting Sean Payton, so he's excited. And we're uh, eventually going to get to Nebraska basketball's uh, March. Uh, this uh, the, the month thankfully comes to an end, but but February's still <laughs> still uh, in play for a, a depleted it looks, it team. Looks- still looks daunting doesn't it, it yeah it, it's not going to be fun i feel bad for, for for big red hoops but we'll see uh their fight mitch uh let's start with signing day 2.0 tomorrow any any surprises any last minute additions you hearing anything or just gonna be matt rule and here's what we did to finish up uh with this second signing day yeah, I've kind of turned my attention to 2024 already, as it seems like uh, a lot of people have. You know, I've been in Arizona the last couple of days. Um, I'll be back tomorrow for, for signing day. And, you know, I, I expect that Nebraska is going to sign the four players who have committed in recent weeks after the December signing period. And, and um, don't you know, I don't have any information about a surprise that could happen. Perhaps um, maybe there's been a visitor who's come into town that, that we didn't know about. Those things happen on uh on signing day, whether it's in December or February, but but as of as of now, and and again, I've, I've been a little bit detached from this for the last 48 hours. My my my, my thought on the situation is that you're going to have the, the four additions, the two um, the two players from from Arlington Martin who played for Bob Wager um, for the last year, uh, new to the sport of football, then Demetrius Bell, the receiver um, from Nashville, and and of course the uh, Sua. 
the defensive lineman from from California, who was a big add to this class um, as the most recent one. How was Arizona? Did did mom take you out for uh, for some steak and crab legs? Your mom? Are you asking about your yes, your mom? yes, yes, yes? Okay, just wanted to make sure. Um, <laughs> no, we we did not. Con- we failed to connect, Chris. Um, I so no, I I have not had steak and crab legs crab legs with um with My your mom. mom. Okay, but, uh, you've been busy. But it's been though. a good trip. It's been it's been a good trip. It's been busy. Um, the objectives. Uh, have been achieved. Uh, I'll be back tonight. I thought about sending out some emojis um, in uh, <laughs> in uh, clandestine fashion to to uh, report on the on the trip. But 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 I'm not going to do that. There'll be a story out Friday that that will make it clear why I was here. Sure. No, I, I so get it. You, not, not any hints. Is this Raiola radar? What, what are we talking here, Mitch? Are you are you going to make us mm. wait till Friday? <laughs> Yeah, wait till Friday. That's uh, <laughs> that's fine. No, that, that's why I'm that's why I'm here. I'm not. It's not breaking news, but but that's that is in fact why I'm here. Was was to see see Dylan and and Dom and others uh, connected to them. Well, good. So let's go back to, to last week and Friday before uh, the dead period gets going. The thirtieth, Nebraska sent everybody and their dog except Coach Rule to Arizona. To, uh, to invade the Riola household or stop by and say what's up. And then he takes his trip to, to USC. What's the race look like right now, in your opinion, mm-hmm. with Nebraska, SC, Oregon? I'm missing another school. Uh, yeah, Georgia. 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 Well, maybe, Those maybe guys. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> might, might, might deserve some mention in this, yeah, I would say in this so. situation. They've, they've accomplished a bit in the past few years. Um, so they can't go to the house. Uh, when the nine coaches came down on Friday, Dylan, of course, is still a junior, and, and they can't make home visits. And there's there's a little bit of misconception about that, and they're not just with the Nebraska coaches, but um, there was some with Jim Harbaugh when he when he visited Arizona um, in the past few weeks about what you know what he was doing. They 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 can come and watch watch him work out, um, which I did yesterday. Uh, they can they can they can say hello, shake his hand, and that's about it. You got to move on. No home visits uh, for for juniors. That won't come until next fall. And in fact, the head coaches can't come back until um, until after the season. The spring, the spring will will allow assistant coaches to go back on the road and and kind of do the same thing. So I you know I expect that if if Dylan is uncommitted when that spring evaluation period comes around, um, or if he's committed to Nebraska, that you'll see something similar where everybody on the staff. Um, heads down to uh, to the Phoenix area. It was just Coach Rule who was not here on Friday because the head coach can make only one visit during this time. And he came, of course, on the first day that he was able to do that, the first day that he was eligible to in January. And then Coach Dvorak, Rob Dvorak, the linebackers coach, I believe was with Matt Rule in Kansas on Friday. Um, so he did not come. But, but the whole offensive staff and the rest of the defensive staff was was here at his new high school, uh, Pinnacle High School, north of Phoenix. That's where they saw him. Um, he is he's moving from Chandler uh, to to Pinnacle, uh, transferring schools. First day for Dylan and Dayton Rayola is tomorrow at the new school. Sounds like a lot of kids have departed Chandler. Correct. That is that is accurate. Yes, um, Chandler perhaps underachieved a little bit in the in the 22 season and and dylan was dealing with some injury stuff that was 
that was kept quiet by the family, but uh, he wasn't 100%, you know, which, hey, that happens. And, and uh, yeah, I don't know the whole situation um, at Chandler as to why the other players left, but there has been – and the Rayola um, brothers are, are among that. They'll be, at, at, like I said, at Pinnacle, um, which is way up north in the, in the valley – um, it's the school that produced Spencer Rattler, um, which adds to the intrigue by none, none other than Lincoln Riley mm. to Oklahoma before transferring to South Carolina to play for Marcus Satterfield. <laughs> Mitch Sherman's with us here. It's Hale Varsity Radio. And Mitch, I want to back this up about two minutes. You're talking about that spring evaluation period. And you said if, if Dylan remains uncommitted or if Dylan is committed to Nebraska, you didn't mention any other teams in there. Am I reading too far into your words there? Is that just <laughs> oh, what I you mean, happen to be committed say? to Georgia or USC or Oregon or Michigan? Um, I, I, I just met. I don't. Yeah, if he's uncommitted or committed to Nebraska, then then the Nebraska staff would would send. Uh, they would be continuing to recruit him heavily. But if, if he's he if he's elsewhere, it's it's. You think this recruitment is probably going to be done if it is elsewhere? Yeah, I think that if if. Dylan were to commit to Georgia, say in March, the Nebraska coaches are not going to send nine assistants to Phoenix um, to try to flip his commitment after he has has committed elsewhere. No, I, I think that then you move on and and you respect that. I mean, obviously he's taking his time here. He was committed to Ohio State for eight months, and that didn't feel right in December any longer. So he backed off that commitment. And I think the second time through, or I know the second time through from, from talking to his parents and, and Dylan, they're, they're going to get this ride or they want to get this ride. And, and I, I don't think that – I don't think you would see um, an intense recruitment continue. Now, they may, they may check in with him from time to time and say, hey, are you sure that's what you want to do if it's not Nebraska? But, um, you know, Nebraska's going to want a, a quarterback that it likes in this 24 class. And generally the way this works is you have one guy. So – there are others out there who are on Nebraska's board. Um, clearly, nobody ranks higher on anybody's 24 recruiting board than the number one player in the country. Mitch Sherman's with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Mitch, when a guy like Dylan, who was committed to one place for so long and then decommits, as somebody who's been following his recruitment process, how much does somebody like that, say, revisit the school that they were previously committed to? Or... Is it more so a doors open for a Nebraska or for a Georgia more so than it was before? Well, he, uh, Ohio State's not recruiting him anymore. That's, that's, that ship has sailed. So, you know, once he went through that whole process with them to be wooed the first time by Ryan Day and that staff and then made the decision last spring to commit to Ohio State and then stayed committed to the Buckeyes through the summer and the fall and, and backed off, decommitted in December, you know, with some players, and I understand why you asked that because, you know, like a Malachi Coleman, you know, there were others in the Nebraska recruiting class, Cameron Lenhart, who decommitted and then Nebraska continued to recruit them through a coaching change and they ended up coming back into the fold. And that's not the first time that's happened at Nebraska or, or elsewhere. But in this situation, um, Ohio State's not a factor. He's not going to go to Ohio State. Mitch Sherman's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, Mitch Down in Phoenix. Mitch, uh, let's talk Nebraska football and good stuff by The Athletic on just kind of the Big Ten for 2023, some of the the, the storylines that uh, Scott Docterman got into 
kind of ran down some statistics uh, attached to Nebraska. They're not good. And what side of the ball are you more bullish on for for this upcoming season? Spring ball, spring ball. But if you had to pick one side of the ball, what do you think can be better for Nebraska next year? I'm probably more bullish on the defense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I think in, in most years, most recent years, this is probably not always the case with a first-year coaching staff because there's – especially when there's this much change. But in most years – you have a pretty good sense early in the offseason which side of the ball is going to be the one that leads the way, especially early in the season. And then sometimes things change as players get hurt and, and you know, experience uh, changes and leaders emerge and, and you know, playmakers emerge. And, and you have a flipped situation by November in comparison, in comparison to September. But, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't there, there's, not, there, there's not one at this stage, you know, still in, in January or beginning of February, there's not one side of the ball that I look at and say, okay, that's the clear, definitive uh, group that's going to have to lead the way. Now, maybe I'll feel differently after spring when we get more of a sense from listening to the coaches talk about how those practices unfold. Um, or maybe this is kind of going to be the hallmark of a Matt Rule team where you know, he isn't really a specialist on the offensive or the defensive side. You know, his background as a coach, is on both sides of the ball. So that's, that's kind of rare. Um, it's certainly rare for, or unusual for what we've seen at Nebraska. I mean, that's, that's never been the case at Nebraska. Maybe going back to Bob Devaney, the, the coach has always been um, one side or the other, and really offense, except for uh, Bo Pelini, who was, of course, a defensive coordinator before he became a head coach. And, you know, Rule is kind of right down the middle. And, and so maybe the hallmarks of his team will be that there isn't one side of the ball that – is, is look to be the, the, the leaders. I, I think I, I feel better about the defense right now because of the returning and also some of the highly, highly ranked uh, transfers and recruits that they've already added. Mitch Sherman with us from The Athletic. Mitch, we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for giving us a few minutes today. All right, good to talk to you guys. Thanks a lot. All right, there he is, Mitch Sherman with us. Didn't ask him if he's got a daiquiri in hand or not. Uh, maybe a margarita (laughs) possibly Uh, Elijah gets to beat his chest about Denver next like what you hear high quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity radio show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription that means that you can get everything we do 10 issues of our monthly magazine our annual football yearbook and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity. We're presented by Currency, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. Big thanks to Mitch Sherman that... Full interview as he's down in Arizona, going to be posted on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. The full show also available with your friends at Herdant and those platforms. And, of course, uh, the full show video uh, stream on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Numbers to get in. Open phones here till 5 366 5865 uh, to get in, also can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Hour two, we'll dive into who's going to rise up 
who's going to fall down in the Big Ten this upcoming season. Uh, good stuff from Mitch. He's probably, if you're going to bet on one side of the ball, maybe is a little bit more stable. He says the defense, and I can see that argument. I want to see what spring looks like. I, I can see it in terms of returning production, but there's always going to be that cloud hanging over the defense of it's a new scheme. How are they going to adjust? How are they going to handle that? You have guys in the secondary. You've got a linebacker and Reimer. You've got a couple of defensive linemen that have played, mm-hmm. and you've got all those additions. You just don't know what what jump can your offensive line make with a bunch of experienced guys. And we kind of think we know we get what, what we're going to get with – Casey Thompson, if he wins the job, we haven't seen a ton of of Sims, but you love the athleticism. And then you, you listen if you get a running back in, in Grant and in AJ Allen for sure, and, and then of course you got Ramirez and in other options. But you get that one-two punch uh, where they trust their O line and they're not seeing ghosts and trying to go Bo Jackson on Tecmo every every handoff. Uh, then you can get a run game going. Well, I hope this doesn't sound too obvious, but whenever you look at which side of the ball could be the one you're going to have to rely on next year, it might just be whichever side of the ball has more transfers that work out. If you have that's, Chief, that's Chief Borders team. and Elijah Judy and uh, just those guys on defense making Sherman plays and getting, and getting production, if those guys are getting production on defense, you're going to look at that defense and go, okay, that's that's something to, to, to watch out for with the returning production plus the talent you bring in. But offensively, if you get a guy like Eric Gilbert playing up to his potential, a guy like Xavier Betts coming back playing up to his potential, if Ben Scott's as good at center as we think he is from what he put on tape down at Arizona State, you look at all that and you go, you know what, that offense could be something to be feared. So I, I don't want to say that, that transfers are the be-all, end-all here because it's it's not that. I mean, there's also the development that happens with the guys currently on roster, but... If, I mean, if you have over 50% hit rate on either the defense or the offense, I think both those sides of the ball are looking pretty solid. Now, that's a tall ask getting 50% hit rate. but I think if you get a Sparty-type hit rate or you get that one guy like Kenneth Walker on either side of the ball that stars, and, and then, oh, by the way, while you're having a really good resurgence season, you can develop the guys that are supposed to fill that void when your portal guys exhaust their eligibility. That's the trick to not go 11 and – Two one year and five and seven the next. You don't want to be uh, be outhousing or penthousing it. Uh, more so penthouse, yes, but do not visit the the outhouse. Couple of comments here. We'll talk with Eddie Markowski in twenty minutes or so. And uh, Brando asks the question. So you have uh, the Fred Hoiberg record in the Big Ten is worse even than Scott Frost. Now to to give a little levity here. Fred coaches and participates in 20 conference games per year. It's still not good. Winning percentage-wise, it's not good. He's, what, 34 no, and 70-something? 70 79 overall. Yeah, 34 and 79, that sounds right. That, that's that's <clears throat> hard. Uh, and then Frost was not great in, in Big Ten conference games either. They've won 16. That's number 12 in the league. So... No, what what are my thoughts on Fred's future going forward? We'll talk to Andy about that, but if they keep fighting and there's some prospects potentially in the portal with what you got coming back, I think you hang in. It, it, it kind of comes down to the, the argument of do you have enough of a team that Fred Hoiberg can build, bring in some transfers to finish that roster next year? I mean, all the coaches we talked to, both – Former coaches, current coaches, I mean, anyone that I, I respect their opinion uh, says that 
you don't build a roster off the transfer portal. You finish a roster off the transfer portal. You, you bring in a couple pieces to accentuate what you already have. And I think that's the question with these remaining ten games, nine games. Is is, is you're, you're going to get to see uh, some of those guys you brought in that were high school talent. Yeah, it, it's the question is: Is there enough in these guys that we see that you can build with those guys next year, or, or is it going to have to be another clean? refresh for your rush next year if it's got to be a clean refresh there's no reason to keep fred around no right? i mean you got to keep your your guys like denim you, you got to get uh, a guy like lawrence back uh, and i don't know that they're even looking i'm just saying you want them to have a second year in the program breidenbach what's uh what sammy's encore look like tonight against illinois uh to the nfl we go we started off with the news sean payton and uh, his job to fix denver elijah is pumping his fist that well, let me ask you, did Denver get it right with this hire? They, there was a three-horse race, pun intended, for the Donks uh, between Sean, uh, Ryans, and uh, Harbaugh in the 12th hour. I mean, they talked to all three. And, Connor, you've been through this with your bare misery. Uh, <laughs> and, and listen, uh, you need it to hit for sure. But I don't think Russell Wilson's past his prime he just needs to be coached right and be coachable and I think Denver has had a good defense for a lot of years they had a good defense last year but 17 points a ball game is not even close to acceptable with him he traded the house for him and he was just garbage all year Sean is working with high profile quarterbacks in his career you look at what he did in Dallas and then he did in New Orleans he'll get He'll get Russell right, I think, to the tune of probably a playoff appearance sooner rather than later. It's music to my ears. I mean, I have one big thought on that. Broncos country, let's ride. I mean, I'll, 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 only two of those a show, <laughs> and we've burned them. I'll be, you I told mean, me I had to throw them in there at some point. <laughs> what a jackass. <laughs> hey, if I'm not in the producer's chat, i got to have no, a little I, bit I of know, control but, somewhere. Let's ride. Uh, I mean, uh, he stole uh, that from Brady Altman's, by the way. Well, it's... Shout out Brady Oldman's. I'll say that, but like I just have, you know what, unwavering faith. Like I, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't get to be a fan of the Huskers really with this job. Like it's it's quasi fandom, not really. You no. try like, not to be. Like no. it's 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 like I root for them because let's my my job's a, a hell of a lot more fun. Whenever let's they not do are a post game show where they blew a lead to anemic Wisconsin. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. wait, right. I mean that's. Let's let's talk that, about a win. That's why it's, it's quasi fandom. Like, it's, it's more fun whenever you talk about a win. With the Broncos, I get to like actually lean into my fandom, and I get to actually go like, you know what? I'll have faith until they prove otherwise. That was me with Russell Wilson last year. That's how I feel with Sean Payton right now. I will say, you look at the Broncos' history of hiring coaches. In 2017, they passed on Kyle Shanahan, instead mm. hiring Vance Joseph. That didn't work out, so they fire Vance Joseph. If you and- roast my boy Vic Fangio here. Well, I'm going to say I'm in, tw- in 2019, <laughs> Vic's a defensive coordinator, and and he made the Bears great. Yeah, and he he the Broncos' defense was phenomenal under Vic Fangio, but the offense was anemic and they couldn't win games. And he was they a had terrible garbage game quarterbacks until they got Russell. And Vic Fangio didn't know how to use timeouts or challenges or anything <laughs> that makes you a good head coach. So, uh, with that being said, in 2019 they hired Vic Fangio. The two that they passed on that cycle were Dan Campbell and Zach Taylor. Uh, and then, oh, man. And yeah. then last year, they hired Nathaniel Hackett. Who did they pass on in terms of interviews? Doug Peterson and Mike McDaniel. Ooh. So in terms of recent history, that's bad. That's really bad. And I don't have faith whenever you look at the fact that they have hired uh, Sean Payton and kind of passed. I guess they were passed on by D'Amico Ryans and Jim Harbaugh. So 
They, well, they, we, they we shall see. There's potential for, for Sean Payton. We shall see. There's Dan potential. Dan Campbell's awesome. Zach yeah. Taylor's been awesome. We'll wind down hour one. Hail Varsity presented by Currency. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, it's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. And Connor Clark, find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence and at C underscore Clark underscore 27. Get buckled up. One of every three fatal crashes in Nebraska involves an alcohol impaired driver. Why take chances? If you drink, don't drive. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. We'll spend time with Andy Markowski next hour to get things tipped off for Husker Hoops. Get his take on some of the Big Ten landscape. And then uh, we'll go full bore into a discussion topic with the Big Ten football season that lies in wait. Specifically, who's that next team to climb the ladder? You've seen some surprises in the West. You've seen kind of, I don't know. I don't know if I classify Michigan State as a surprise. They've been pretty good the last decade. I don't know. They weren't good during COVID, and I know they weren't good last year, but they finished top 10 in 2021 when they uh, pulled a rabbit out of the hat with the portal. And then, of course, the Antonio years where they're in the league championship game. They're beating Michigan. They are the team that won at Ohio State. That's here and gone now. I mean, they made a playoff, too. They went to a playoff and lost to Nebraska while doing so. Yeah, uh, which was quite hilarious. Well, then I saw a Michigan fan on Twitter today saying, "Wow, Michigan's got back-to-back bye weeks next season, and it's because they play Michigan State and then have a bye week and back-to-back weeks." Man, <laughs> like, that's talk about that's little sister. Jeez, here's what I don't get about Harbaugh. He he's I'm fully committed to you know he put his social media thing out two weeks ago after the early signing period, not long after or right up until there's. Some question marks. Is he going to be back? And he, and he does this dance all the time. And then you're right before the second signing day here tomorrow. And and Jimbo's st- like to the 12th hour still trying to get in with Denver. He just, I think he just wants out. We'll have to talk to some of our Michigan peeps about it. But I, I just, you're going to see more and more college coaches some guys just want to return to the NFL because they have unfinished business. I, I chalk Harbaugh up to that. And then some guys are just like, get me out of this NIL. Hellscape. Yeah, this, this, this living hell of, of, of year round. You have months off in the NFL uh, till training camp starts. You have a, a chance to have some downtime and have a life. If you're a college football coach right now, you're on social media, you're doing camps, you're recruiting, you're continuing to recruit. There's the portal, who's leaving, who's staying. you got to recruit your current team and go recruit your new team. And uh, while the paychecks are incredible, you're seeing more and more teams, Clemson to be specific, still really good, 
but not playoff level. Why? Because they're getting their coordinators, the staffs that have been all star staffs, are getting rated. That tends to happen. Uh, Nebraska trying to, to build a, a staff with a new head coach that can hit the ground running and replicate past success at two tough stops in the world of college football. I mean, it's like it's an influx point for college football. Of I mean, you don't know what the future holds for teams like Clemson and Bama. I mean, I don't want to sit here and. I mean, Saban right now is working on okay. Who's my third choice as my new offensive coordinator? Exactly, exactly, and, and he's bemoaned his NIL collectives down there before. Like, the, the, I mean, the the world of college football could look vastly different in two years than it did two years ago because of this NIL factor. It's the wild, wild west. It is, and at least uh, with Nebraska, you're in position because uh, of the fan base and the donors, and uh, the guys leading it. Andy Markowski gets us going. Our two hail varsity presented by Currency. Hey, it's Schmitty. Want to tell you about a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having competitive, stable history of work over 20 years? FSC. The FSC Edge, it's a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies. Expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. They support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the U.S. and Europe. That includes the European Patent Office, the German Patent and Trademark Office, and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. The only group of companies worldwide to provide such support to all three of these agencies. Working at FSC, you have a chance to work with fun people with great attitudes and learn about patents. You're not on the phone, you're not customer-facing, it's casual dress, and the work environment. It's a new environment with over $2 million in improvements. You have access to generous benefits packages, company support for health and wellness, and you do impactful work on a national scale. Make a difference. Their team's constantly growing, and they're always looking for new people to join their mission. Check out what's available today at fscedge.com. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into it, it's Hour 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency, Krishman, Elijah Herbal. Let's check in with the Pride Award Husker basketball standout, Andy Markowski, on a bit of a roadie as uh, the Pious Girls head into uh, Carney tonight. Andy, how are we doing? How's, how's the road trip? Yeah, it's a straight shot on I-80 with no, uh, with no ice or snow, Schmitty, so not, not too bad for a Tuesday. We'll take it right before January taps out. Good, uh, good call there, Andy. Uh, a tough uh, matchup tonight for Nebraska basketball. A lot of things got to go right. Let's go back to Maryland here. The, any momentum? I know a loss is is there's minimal momentum for for that. But any any good takeaways from Maryland into Illinois that you saw? Well, I, I thought. You know, I think Fred alluded to it offensively. Um, you know, they, they, they did some good things. They shot over 50% from the floor, which up to that game, they were 8-0 in games that they had done that. Um, so, you know, I think that's a positive. Uh, they, you know, they got uh, some contributions off the bench. Obviously, you know, Sam Hoiberg came in and, and played really well. But, you know, I, I think there, there weren't uh, 
you know, are going to be hard to overcome. Uh, you know, the, the amount of turnovers they had, especially the live ball turnovers that ended up being Maryland points, and, and they, they just don't have the length uh, defensively. So you're starting to see them foul, you know, much more they did prior to the Vandermeer and, and Gary injuries. But, you know, anytime that you go on the road and, and you play good offensively, you know, you hope that carries into the next game. Andy, what have you made of, of Sam Hoiberg and, and his roll off the bench? It, it, it's been rumored and, and people have been calling for maybe getting Sam Hoiberg some more minutes or even getting him into the starting lineup. What is your reaction to just how Sam Hoiberg has played after you know a whole year of not playing much at all now stepping into a bigger role? Well, I, you know, I think the role that was asked of him it was to come in and, and provide some energy and, and make open shots, and, and he did that. I mean, if, if he can continually you know, shoot the basketball at, at the clip he shot at Maryland, I, I think you have to find more minutes there. Now, he doesn't have have the length and, you know, defensively as, as teams, uh, you know, A, start to, to study that, you know, what, what do they take advantage of there, or B, do they start to, to maybe take his open shots away, right? Sometimes you're off the scatter report for a couple of games. The Big Ten is, you know, it's, you know, most people say it's the second best scouted league, uh, only second to the NBA, right? So, like, their coaches aren't going to let you know, uh, players hurt them uh, w- w- without scheming and, and making sure they take things away. So, you know, they, they need help. They need help scoring, and, and, and Sam provided that. If he continues to do that, I, I agree that he probably should see more minutes. Andy Markowski is with us here on City Radio, Nebraska, Illinois. Tipping off at 6 tonight, the line minus 14 uh, for the Illini. And you look at, at Nebraska, what's plagued them, for a while has been scoring droughts, the turnovers you mentioned, and, you know, what's the personnel like to play high-level defense? That was their identity, what they hung their hat on. Uh, Up until the injuries, they're still trying. They just don't have the personnel. Glass and rebounding are going to be so important tonight. And do you think Nebraska can, can take better care of the basketball, or is that more of a product of who's been on their schedule, uh, some really talented teams that, that are equally good at turning out defense into offense? Well, they, they have to. And, you know, certainly, um, you know, losing, you know, Vanderbilt, not, we talk a lot about him defensively, but he, he was also their second, you know, uh, secondary ball handler um, behind Sam. So, you know, they, 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 if you're going to turn it over, it, it, it can't lead to offense. In the, in the Maryland game, uh, we had a lot of, you know, mistakes where, where those ended up being dunks and, and transition baskets. So, you know, we, there's games that you can turn over 15 or 16 times um, and, and you just don't give up baskets. You, you know, you travel or you throw it out of bounds. I mean, those are much better turnovers than, than live ball. So, I, you know, certainly Illinois' defensive pressure will, will bother us. Uh, we'll, we'll turn it over, but can you keep that in the – the 12 to the 14 range versus the 16 to 18 range can, can be a big difference on whether you're competitive or, you know, you get you lose by 15 to 18 on the road. Andy, we, we look at this Nebraska team right now, and what have you noticed body language-wise, spirit-wise? They're, they're still fighting, but they're also fading, and it's, uh, you know, what, what answers can you have, and what's – I, I hate saying this word, but what's winnable on their schedule as you look uh, towards the rest of the season? Yeah, I, I feel like the fight is, is still there in this group, right? You, you hope you have good leadership, uh, you know, with, with Walker and, and Greasel being, you know, seniors. And then, you know, Vandermeer and Gary appear to be engaged still on the bench. So you, you, you hope that can 
can continually energize, especially the young kids that have been through the, you know, the 20 game Big Ten grind for the first time. That can get long. It's, you know, just turning the calendar into, into February. Um, I do think the schedule uh, gets a little easier. You look at Wisconsin, Penn State, um, you know, at, at home, they have Minnesota at home. I think the talent level for, for all three of those teams is not a big gap uh, against Nebraska. And then you go on the road to Iowa, a team that, uh, you know, I thought we, 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 we guarded really well uh, at home with, a, with one of our three conference wins. So I, I do think the schedule gets a little easier, but, you know, it, it, it's, uh, you know, tonight is going to be extremely challenging. I thought Illinois really physically dominated us in Lincoln, and, and, and now you go play that same team on the road. I, I think that's going to be a, a big ask, but you know, I do think there's some gettable games, uh, especially at home down the stretch here. Yeah, well, with those gettable games, Andy, how crucial do those feel to you? And I guess the heart of this question is, does this final stretch of this season feel like the beginning of the end for Fred Hoiberg? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, uh, you know, certainly the, the expectation – you know, going into this season was to improve from, from, you know, not a very good season a year ago. Uh, yeah, I feel like they, they did that. I feel like the, the culture and the character of the team uh, it was better. I feel like the kids they brought in represented Nebraska and what our fan base, you know, want, wants to uh, rally behind a program. You know, unfortunately, we, we do lose a couple of those. I, I have liked the minutes uh, that, that some of our freshmen have played. If you can They'll mix those in with uh, a couple marquee transfers like we did a year ago. Um, you know, can you get in the middle of the pack in the Big Ten? So I, I don't know if I'm ready for you know this February stretch to to decide the fate of, of Fred. I think Trev Alberts has proven that you know he he knows uh, you know what he wants out of our athletic program, what it, what he expects out of each coach and each team. You know, I, I think he's got a you know. Evaluate that, and and then you know, uh, you know, make that decision. If if, if Fred is given time, um, can can he get in the top half of the league, or or do you feel like there's just not enough consistency there where you've got to move on and make a change? So, um, you know, certainly if, if the bottom falls out and the young kids don't compete, and and you know, there's a, um, a transfers at the end of the spring. I think you you know. The answer to that question is you probably move on, but you know if these freshmen can grow and, and compete and, and maintain the effort that they, they've given up to this point, I, I think you probably you know give him another year to see if you can mix some transfers in with the returners that he they have. Gary, you know I, I think you give Gary a full season with the skill development. You know he's a, he's an impact kid next year in the league, and you've got to put a couple more kids with him that that can help him win. And we're not asking him to get to. The top five, right? I just think if you get in that top eight, um, you're going to be right out of the NCAA bubble, and, and I think that's the expectation of our program. Andy, does Jamarcus Lawrence and Denham Dawson, do they remind you of, of any past Huskers, or is there a comp in your mind? What's their ceiling, in your opinion? They've had good flashes here as young players. Yeah, I think they both have, have the physical tools to, to play in this league. I mean, Dawson uh, is very athletic. Uh, I think defensively he's come a long ways. He's improving as a, as a shooter, which you're going to need to at, at kind of that three and four position that, that, that Fred plays him at. You know, Lawrence has really proven that he has the skill to, to play in the league. Uh, you know, he's a catch-and-shoot kid with really good length. You know, he just needs strength and, and experience. So I – I, I do think, you know, I think, uh, you know, Wilhelm Breidenbach has, has proven that, you know, is he a, a starter in this league? No, but but is he able to, to play in this league and contribute? Um, you know, his high school recruiting, I, I think, has been 
you know, solid, not not great, but but solid. And, you know, I think if you keep stacking good high school players that are willing to develop and, and take advantage of the NIL, I, I, I do think Brett could put a, a group together that, that could get to that NCAA bubble. It's just, you know, once again, losing the – the three or four kids that he's going to lose, uh, you know, Trev's going to have to have complete faith that, that he's able to kind of go out and target the same group that he brought in a year ago as one of Dutch kids. Andy, who are you buying and fading in the Big Ten as we get closer to March? Uh, are you in on Northwestern? Do you like Penn State? Does Ohio State still have a heartbeat? And, you know, who, who after Purdue do you like that could put a run together here, assuming February's not too messy? Yeah, I, I really like uh, – I, I think Illinois is, is going to get some things figured out. Um, you know, I think Northwestern has, has good balance, guard forwards. I, I think they're playing uh, together as a group. I, I think they're going to hold in there. Um, never doubt uh, Tom Izzo. I, you know, I know Purdue got it pretty good uh, this weekend, but I think Michigan State, uh, you know, has the ingredients to, to, to keep playing well. Um, Penn State is really dependent on the three-point shot. I, I think they're a, you know, a dangerous team that you know you could get hot in like a Big Ten tournament and play themselves in. But but also when you're not dependent on a three-point shot, I, I think consistently over you know a month of games, uh, they're going to lose some games that maybe they need to, to get in a game tournament. So that's kind of my my take. I, th- I think Maryland's solid uh, first-year coach. I think they'll keep playing better as well. Uh, you know, Rutgers, I think, has the toughness to hang in there. So I, I think we'll get five in. Um, you know, may- maybe a six. Uh, you know, we're not real top-heavy, but that that upper third is you know really good and you know well-coached teams. And I I think given you know given the right matchup, could could win a game in the tournament as well. Indiana's looked good recently as well, and and they yeah, they won five straight. They've, they've only lost one game at home this yeah, year. Star power, but they're they're playing like we haven't seen Indiana play in about twenty years. Which which is strange because they were uh, really a mess, and you know certainly they have one of the best players in the nation, which is kind of throwing them on their back, and you know they're back in the top twenty-five. So you know obviously they're they're positioned to, to get into the tournament, um, and. You know, I, I have not been super impressed with them defensively or their toughness, but they're you know they're making shots, they're scoring right now, and that can cover up a lot of you know defensive warts uh, when to the basket or the ball goes to the basket. Eddie Markowski, couple more minutes with us, Hale Varsity Radio. The pious girls on the road tonight in Kearney. Uh, you were in Iowa City over the uh, the weekend. Uh, great effort, tough ball game, Andy. Yeah, certainly, uh, you know, five starters in double figures. Uh, I was you know, a really good team. Obviously, Caitlin Clark, uh, you know, a special talent, unfortunately, for, for us. Uh, you know, had a bad second quarter, uh, had kind of an average third, and, and then really, you know, had an excellent fourth to get back in the game. But, you know, uh, right now the Big Ten has four teams in the top ten. Uh, they have Michigan State on, on, on Thursday, and then uh, a couple winnable games to, to follow that. So they're, they're still on the bubble, Chris, I, I hope. Uh, yeah, I, I hope they can they keep winning their home games and, and maybe still a, a road game out of Michigan or at Illinois and give themselves another, you know, kind of a resume building win to, to get off that bubble. Yeah, with, with Nebraska sitting in eighth in the Big Ten right now, Andy, how, how many teams in the the women's side of the Big Ten do you think are going to make the dance? Yeah, if you, if you look at the projections right now, the cutoff is is at eight. Um, you know, I think Purdue and Nebraska are that seventh and eighth team, and, and both have the ability to, to play themselves on or, or off that last spot. I think the bubble is a little a little soft to my eye. Um, after kind of the last four in, you look at the next eight teams, and, and certainly Nebraska has 
uh, a good resume with wins over, you know, Kansas at Maryland. Uh, they play their, you know, I think they're the only other, UConn's the only other team that have played 11 quad one games. Um, so you hope they get the benefit. They beat Mississippi State, which is on the bubble with them as well. So, you know, I, I think seven uh, is, is, is probably the number, but it, it could go to eight if, if both, uh, you know, Purdue and, and Nebraska, you know, win the games that they should win down the stretch here. Eddie, tell us about tonight's matchup with the Pious Girls and Carney and, and what's in store uh, tonight. Yeah, well, Carney is, is is good. I think they they're right in that top ten mix. You know, certainly on the road, they're 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 a really good home team. They've played uh, you know some of the best teams in Class A competitive at Carney. So we have a really tough week. We're on the road uh, here, and then we've got a top ten team in North Star at home Friday. And then we go on the road to the Bellevue West on on Saturday, which uh, is never I think too all class right now. So so a lot of games this week. Uh, so it'll it'll kind of tell us where we're at. And, uh, you know, if we get through this week uh, with a few wins, uh, it'll help position us for those district home games. Yeah, and Andy, as you start getting closer to districts, I know you got some some big games coming up here over the next week or so, but how do you keep the girls focused on the here and now, the the, the, the task at hand as opposed to looking ahead to, to districts and potentially a state tournament? Well, when you, when you, you know, play in Class A, you have to take it game to game. The coaching is so good that the, the balance of teams is, 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 you know, very competitive and, you know, the advantage of being in Class A, the, the, the better you play during the season, you get rewarded, you know, with your with your points to, A, get home district games, or, or B, position yourself for a wild card if you happen to stub your toe in district. So, you know, our kids and girls know how important each game is. Um, you know, we've been on the, the the wrong side of a district loss and, and, and uh, fortunately got the, the wild card a year ago. So, you know, just – you know, the messaging is, is Carney, and, and then we'll worry about North Star uh, starting tomorrow. So we have a, a pretty mature group. We have four seniors that are being good leaders, and you know, you, you hope they can stay focused on the task at hand, and, and that's trying to uh, be competitive and win in a, a tough environment tonight at Carney. Andy Markowski with us. Find him on Twitter at Markowski underscore Andy. Andy, always appreciate your insight, bud. Safe travels, and thanks for the time. Thanks for having me, guys. Good stuff from Andy Markowski. Hail Varsity Radio continues. We'll dive into some Big Ten football thoughts. Uh, can Nebraska rise in 2023? Open phones till 6 with Hail Varsity. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hail Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hail Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HailVarsity.com. Just go to HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for 10 $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hail Varsity. We're presented by Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence and Connor Clark at C underscore Clark underscore. 27. So good story in the athletic by Scott Docterman laying out some of the storylines for 2023 in the Big Ten. First things first, get through signing day 2.0 for Nebraska tomorrow. 
see what spring ball looks like with the new coaching staff, the new additions, what attrition exists, and what's the health of Casey Thompson quarterback-wise on top of what kind of wow Sims can bring you. Obvious take, the offensive line's got to make strides defensively. Can you figure out roles uh, for the talent you've brought in and the talent you've retained? But 2023 should be pretty interesting as we go down the list. And, and you've had this happen in Big Ten football uh, every year. Somebody's emerged and somebody's fallen flat on their face. The team that's really fallen off since they've hit the mountaintop, and that is getting to a conference title, two, of the, two, years, two times in four years is Northwestern. They are 4-20 uh, in their last uh, – couple of seasons they're just a team that doesn't quite seem to fit into this nil era no and and the thing about northwestern we'll get to nebraska i promise they lose nine portal guys per one they gain because of their admission standards is michigan a team that can finally listen they've been to the playoffs in back-to-back years and they handed it to, to tcu i don't know that they touch georgia i don't think they do have a lot more competitive than that title game. But they're, they're going to have McCarthy and they're going to have Corum back and they've they've rebuilt. They've done well on the lines of scrimmage and they've kept guys in the program. It's not that they don't have portal or losses, but their lines of scrimmage are really pretty good and they've made some key additions via the portal per the line of scrimmage the last couple of years. So Ohio State seems very, I should say Michigan seems pretty steady. What, what happens with with Ohio State, they still are talented. They still have Travion at running back. They still have uh, uh, Starvin Marvin Jr. Uh, okay, who could be the best wide receiver He's in the country? Just incredible, and he showed it as a freshman. And they're still going to be good defensively. But uh, what do they do at quarterback? Right, Stroud's been which five? Phenomenal. Which five star do they go to? Yeah, now? they're going to have somebody. No, I know, <laughs> but but what they've had and what's stepped in has been pretty seamless. I mean, we're they're talking just back to back. What was a top 10 pick and most likely a future top 10 pick, or at least top Fifth 20 overall. pick in, yeah. in, in, in C.J. Stroud. You never know what happens around draft season, especially with the quarterbacks, but I think it's a pretty safe bet that if not top 10, he's going to be top 15. Sure, and, and I think he goes five, honestly. So you have that. Penn State, listen, Penn State quit fooling around, and they have a running game. They, they have Nick Singleton and Katron Allen, uh, Allen. Uh, both uh, combining for 22 rushing touchdowns. So when push came to shove, Penn State had a clear identity. They've always had dudes on the defensive side of the ball. So are they ready to, to get back into that conversation for the East or the greater Big Ten? Uh, they've not been able to to beat Michigan or Ohio State, right? That's been their Achilles heel. Otherwise, 11-2, and two, what they did to Utah was impressive. We turn to Nebraska right now. And, you know, is Nebraska one of those teams that rises this year? Because of where they're at, the zip code they live in, who they have now as head coach, and is it really just a a situation where they can put it together? Let's go back. 2019, that that it team was Minnesota. 11-2, and they rose up. And they've kind of stayed in that conversation at least – for a West Division crown. In 2020, uh, you had Northwestern really bump up uh, and win the West. Uh, COVID was was really weird. 
uh, in 2021. You had I'll Michi- you explain that away. <laughs> Northwestern wins West Iowa. Well, COVID they, was no, they, they were good. Northwest, they did it twice. Northwest, yeah, they've done it twice. Northwestern's put guys into the NFL. Mm-hmm. They have. The, the, the 2010s was really their decade of being it, I mm-hmm. get. Like, for their standard. Yeah. I mean, they sure. won bowl games. They won ten games multiple times. And sure, they, they they climbed up and they've kind of revisited that. Now they've they've <clears throat> had too much tequila. Yeah, <laughs> and and they are trying to crawl out of the bar right now. Uh, for Nebraska, though, can Nebraska be a version of that team that that just kind of comes out of nowhere? Sparty did it in twenty twenty one. Uh, Eleven and two, and then last season Maryland was pretty impressive at eight and five in the East, and then you had Illinois finish at eight and five, but they were close to to nine or more this year. Iowa has the hundred and thirtieth ranked offense, while they're getting an infusion and a couple of Michigan transfers. They had a defense that held nine teams to ten points or less. They're going to have to reload there. They're losing some special people, so I'm saying Iowa's not going to be what they've been. Uh, a West Division champ until Nebraska showed up. Uh, Purdue, coaching change, and Brom is special, whatever you think of the guy. They're two years removed from 9-4, and four, okay, mm-hmm. with two top five wins. So I guess my take here is why can't it be Nebraska? I guess the, the detractor is it's year one. In year one, that'd be a tough ask. But I think Purdue's going to step back. I think Illinois will be okay. They're only going to get better. I think Northwestern, with a new coordinator, it may take a couple of years. I think Iowa will probably be better just because they'll have better better talent at quarterback, but their defense won't be as, theoretically, as we talk in almost February, as good. And and then Minnesota. I think Minnesota's gettable, uh, despite what they've been. They've just seemed to, to reload with a, a team that can win you seven or eight ball games. So uh, Nebraska, to me, is a team that you can look out for. And it's okay to think about. Let's talk after spring before we say it out loud. Is that team in the West that's due to rise? If I'm putting my money right now, based on the five-star quarterback in the running game, I think Penn State could could maybe get Ohio State next year just because of of the quarterback question uh, with Ohio State. Uh, and then I think Michigan is is still your your class of the Big Ten. But who rises? Who falls? I'm interested right now. To hit some of these storylines with it because, you know, the, the, for for lack of a better term, by default, because of the division you're in, as wide open as it's been, I think you have a good shot with the talent you have, the talent you keep, and the head coach you brought in if you're Nebraska. Well, I, I personally think that there's a most interesting storyline in the Big Ten for the first six games of the season and a different one for the last six games of the season. And when I look at the first six, I actually think it's what does – year one look like for Matt Rule in Nebraska, and how does that look compared to Luke Fickle in Wisconsin? I think that's your number one storyline in the Big Ten through the first six weeks of the season. Because you look at the Big Ten East, and you mentioned it, Schmitty, like through six weeks, realistically, Michigan should be 6-0, and Ohio State should be 6-0. and Penn and State's it, right, somewhere. It, the, the question is then who is that third team in the Big Ten East that maybe can give one of those two teams a run for their money? Is it going to be Penn State with the talent they have? Is it going to be Tungavailoa in Maryland with Coach Loxley? Are they going to be uh, continuing their rise next year? Are they going to be the team that maybe puts a scare into Michigan or Ohio State? That's your East storyline for the first six games, and like really that's not that exciting. For the last six games, it comes down to 
all right, Michigan, Ohio State, who's going to be the Big Ten representative in the college football playoff? That's what the storyline has been for probably three years now. It's going to continue that way next year. So that, that that's going to dominate the final six weeks. But through the first six weeks, you look at it, with the way that Fickle and Rule were each brought into their respective stops and the type of message they're bringing to each school, I think that's your most interesting storyline in the Big Ten. Uh, if not the Big Ten as a whole, at least the Big Ten West. What does Fickle look like trying to change what Wisconsin is, take them from what they've been, what's made them successful dating way back to Alvarez to now, all right, well, they're going to go, can't call it fun and gun, but it's closer no, it's to that than it ever has been. Air raid and it's wide a, open. Air raid, wide <laughs> open, quick offense, no huddle. Like, that's a big change for Wisconsin. What does that look like the first six weeks? And then what does this Matt Rule bring Nebraska back to its roots look like through the first six games of the season? Because these are two hires that are always going to be tied at the hip. Everyone's going to compare Matt Rule in Nebraska to Luke Fickle in Wisconsin. That's just the way it goes with the timing of those hires, with the the high-profile nature of those hires, with the assumption that, you know what, if Nebraska wanted Luke Fickle, they could have made a run at Luke Fickle, but they, they at least we can assume, didn't, based on what we've heard from Trev and, and Matt Rule, that Matt Rule was the number one guy for Nebraska. It's on the radar, I'm sure, but they liked Rule better. Yeah, yeah, so what does Wisconsin look like through this first six weeks, and what does Nebraska look like through this first six weeks? Because that is just so intrinsically tied together those these two schools now at least for the next two to three years is which school is rising which school is falling are they both rising i doubt it i don't think nebraska is going to be able to to go much further south than they have been so it can be nebraska and wisconsin contending for the west but that means minnesota and iowa one of those two got to step back and with this uh this this facelift for wisconsin that this could be their Bill Callahan moment where you you change your identity and what you've known to go to something new with this wide open or, offense. Fickle, or, Fickle knows ball though, so I, I don't. It could be their Clemson Dabo Sweeney moment. Dabo really brought Clemson into the 21st century with what the changes he made. They're not like very fair. I, I don't think that's what Fickle does at Wisconsin, just because how ingrained in Wisconsin he's that just is. Waiting and, for Ohio State to talk about environment and yeah, the, the the potential future of Fickle. I don't think it's a Dabo Sweeney situation, but it could be. It could be that Luke Fickle is the guy that brings Wisconsin into the 21st century and says, you know what, NIL, we're going to embrace it. Uh, an offense that's going to be appealing to the types of athletes that want to go on to the NFL. We're going to change into that and try to bring more talent here. That all remains to be seen, and, and Wisconsin could go either way. I think the most important number for me right now over the offseason, especially for Rule and going into the Big Ten season as maybe that it team, as you talked about, is two. And that's the first two games, obviously. Mm. Minnesota-Colorado. I don't think – I mean, you, you mentioned comparing the first six games for Fickle and Rule – together Elijah I think you could do that maybe in the first two for for rule especially because if you lay an egg in weeks one and two obviously it's not over but it's it's that much harder to get I've seen this movie before what the hell exactly (laughs) and but it's at the same time it's so hard to tell because it's under a different regime now if it was the same thing I'd be like well that's why but now it's even harder to tell. So I think the first two games could be in that storyline between Fickle and Rule. Say if Rule wins those first two games, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but if he does, that would look really good for Nebraska being that it team. You're off to a, you're off to a dare I say it, unbeaten start. I mean, Nebraska's never gotten out of the gate and got downhill the last 
hundred years. I mean, think about. And I'm exaggerating. Michigan looms. That's the only problem. Well, fine. You, you, you get some momentum built you, up for that moment. You probably date back to that year two under Riley, where they started out the year. I believe it was that was it. No, that that that, that was the last. Even then, you didn't feel like a convincing seven and zero. Every game felt like you were on the edge of your seat up until like two minutes left. And you, okay, well, Nebraska's going to pull this one out by three or by five. I mean, or whatever. just what? Think about it. What what kind of tenure can you start with here? Riley, you lose in the hail Mar- the hail Mary. To BYU, Frost. The game gets canceled by the good Lord. <laughs> okay, then Colorado beats you at the buzzer. Uh, can can rule? Kind of snap that streak of tough starts. We'll continue on to Hail Varsity, presented by Currency. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out, Hail Varsity, presented by Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. Does Nebraska move up? In the Big Ten West hierarchy for 2023, we're chewing on that a bit. You got a little bit of news, a little bit of news on Junior here, uh, Sam Hoiberg. Yeah, Sam Hoiberg slides into the starting lineup, so that's uh, interesting. Keith I'm all, I'm to the all bench. right with that, with the, the rebounding. Yeah, with the rebounding and the hustle, and not that Tominaga isn't trying, but let's just say his uh, forte is coming off the bench and getting to the rim and getting under the opponent's skin and, and hitting some threes. I'll just say, you, you heard that news first from uh, Elijah Herbal in our uh-huh. interview with Andy Markowski, thanks to an assist from Connor Clark. I was going to say, show, and, Yeah, he, he was sitting there like, hmm. Break I the mean, I have to ultimately give an assist to somebody else because mm-hmm. I didn't come up with that myself. But. Well, you, I, you didn't dial up Fred real quick? I wish I could. Break? I wish I had that ability. I texted some sources, too. Let it be known. And by some sources, <laughs> I mean one that wasn't named Connor Clark. Mm. And I got, oh, it could happen. And I went, oh, let's, let's roll with it. Let's see what Andy has to say. We're talking about moving up in the Big Ten in Nebraska's prospects to do so it, it could come together the question about it too is the the learning curve coach rule's been very upfront. hey we got to learn how to win in the league here i'm paraphrasing from his press conference but that learning curve could be fierce you've got players you've recruited for the league here on the offensive and defensive line can they deliver uh, there's program transition with Minnesota and their offensive coordinator. Meanwhile, Rutgers has Kirk Siraka heading uh, to uh, Piscataway. Jeff Brom is gone. Ryan Walters is a new head coach. Sparty signed 12 in the portal, lost 14. Indiana signed 14, lost 20. Indiana's really struggling. They're one of those it teams during COVID that finished in the top 10. And there's, See, there's just a lot of mystery here with the league, but you do have teams that can be relevant for the first time in a while in November, and you do have teams that can kind of break the door down into the top 25 a la Illinois last year. And you mentioned Indiana, their COVID season. I feel like that's the one where you can say, yeah, COVID was weird. Like less Northwestern, more Indiana. I, yeah, I agree. Indiana was the weird one where I went. They'd been on the verge. I mean, they'd been a 6-7 win team, but they go from 7 to uh, whatever the 8-2 and two in COVID and uh, they kind of get hosed out of a New Year's Day bowl, but they beat Penn State. Penix was incredible and healthy. They they scared Ohio State a little bit. I mean, it's a good team, don't get me wrong, but I don't think in a normal season that's an Indiana team that's going and competing with Ohio State for the Big Ten East. Well, I think the main argument that you could have between Northwestern and Indiana that year is that Northwestern's defense was like historically good. Mm-hmm. And, and they beat a Justin Fields, Ohio State team, they put up, what, 47 on Clemson in the college football playoff that year. And I know that's just one game, but it was a high-powered offense. I mean, Nebraska 12-27 throwing the ball. Right. Fields had nowhere to go. Yeah, so I think that 
the legitimacy of Northwestern's COVID year was a lot more than Indiana. Now, Indiana did lose Michael Penix, and he's still balling um, out in Washington right now. But Mm -hmm. I think that Northwestern team, just from top to bottom, was a little bit better. Kalen DeBoer was a big loss too after yeah. COVID. <laughs> well, uh, one thing to to discuss here when we look ahead at this uh, this upcoming season, though, in, in the storylines is we were talking about Wisconsin and, and Nebraska, Matt Rule, Luke Fickle being tied at the hip. September 9th is going to be very very interesting with Wisconsin heading off to Washington. They take on Washington State the same day that Nebraska heads out to Boulder and takes on Colorado. And based in recent years, I think Washington State is the slightly better team than Colorado. That they're nothing. To, to sneeze at, but also Colorado's had themselves a decent offseason. They're going to have an influx of talent. It'll be young talent, but there will be talent there. And two Big Ten teams with new head coaches on the road uh, taking on Pac-12 foes. And I think that's just going to be very interesting to see, you know, what does year one look like for each of these teams? We're going to have a very, very good barometer early in the season with each of these teams. I, I think they're from matchup stylistically to just what each team was last year to what they are now. I think those are both very, very good tests for each Nebraska and Wisconsin. You've gone SEC shopping, and yeah, see, and you'll see if the the stars really do shine and live up to the talent of of what these kids were out of high school after a year or two at a Florida, at a Georgia, at an A and M. I mean, on that defensive side of the ball, you saw the pop you got from from Mickey's uh, portal hall from from the Big Twelve and, and LSU. Last year, when the offense was good and clicking, uh, and he had enough time to uh, to make a play downfield, I mean, it, it was uh, pretty prolific. It had its moments. Uh, now, you need to have the run game have more moments. Greg in Michigan emails in Chris at HaleVarsity.com. I know it's Kool-Aid season, but what Searle said the other day about the three three five concerns me in the Big Ten. He said it was built to stop offenses in the Pac-12 and Big 12 so to jump fifty spots seems a little stout to me. <laughs> let's also remember. Let's also Cut remember, though, not to, yeah. to completely disagree with Searles, but they were designed to stop offenses in the Pac-12 and the Big 12. But that was in the '90s. Whenever offenses in the Pac-12 and the Big 12 look drastically different than they do today, so let's also keep that in mind. Yeah, these were designed to stop Pac-12 offenses, but USC in 1997 looked a hell of a lot different than USC in 2023. Well, even then, too, it's going to be modified. For the Big Ten, in order to stop, (laughs) yeah, like I think it would be foolish if it if it wasn't, and and this coaching staff will most certainly modify it. And yeah, to your point, Elijah, that was a long time ago now in the the '90s, which is kind of weird to say, but um, definitely a a different style of three-three-five than what it was. And I'll also note that I mean, a lot of coaches. The second time I've said today, but a lot of coaches we've talked to that I have a lot of respect for. Say it's not about the X's and the O's, it's about the Jimmy's and the Joe's. And that I do truly believe is that, you know what, with with good enough talent, with good enough athletes, they'll go out and execute whatever defensive scheme you put in front of them. Now, there is something to to lining up a scheme with the players that you have and putting guys in roles that are going to make them uh, even better than they actually are. But the Jimmy's and the Joe's are the ones who go out and play football, not the scheme, not the X's and the O's. So do, do you trust the talent that Matt Rule and uh, Coach White are bringing in on the defensive side of the ball. That, that's a, a bigger question to me than what does the three three five look like. It comes down to the talent that you have to put into a three three five defense. I'm all about uh, the chaos plays where in White's defense, you're and you saw Syracuse do this to Minnesota's run game. I mean, they had 30 carries for 79 yards. It's quite frankly shocking that Minnesota won that game. Uh, they did it through special teams, a couple of returns, and that was your difference. 
from a field position standpoint. But you're you're having tackles for loss on that dream of a second and five, right? You get a, a good gain running the football on first down. You're second and six, second and five. Up here's a loss of two from one of your guys uh, in that 3-3-5. Three, three, you didn't know where he was coming from, and now it's third and eight. So it all the math ends up third and eight uh, a lot of times, at least you're hoping. And then the emphasis, guys, on on the pass rush and to go get the quarterback, that's been an emphasis at Temple. That's been an emphasis at Baylor. That's an emphasis right now for Nebraska to go get the quarterback. And they're talking, what, 40 sacks a season. Uh, Nebraska led the nation Jay Moore's senior year uh, where they had 55 uh, with, with that defense uh, back in 06. So Nebraska no stranger to having guys and get off the edge, go get the quarterback, and really pressure uh, a a pass-happy league and a pass-happy uh, world of college football. Big Ten's still more meat and potatoes with the run game, but push comes to shove, you got to go create some negative plays on defense. That's an emphasis. And let's be clear, Bo Pelini's 4-3 got gashed on the ground plenty in the Big Ten. Like, all defenses are going to get gabby. Like, post-2010, post it did. Whenever you go up against 320-pound maulers from Wisconsin, like sometimes the scheme doesn't matter. It's just these guys are better than you, and like you've seen it before with Nebraska. So I can't wait for that day whenever Nebraska gets gashed on the run and all the talking heads in Nebraska go, well, it's the 3-3-5. Well, don't turn the football over. Go score some points in the red zone and help the defense. We'll wind out a Tuesday next. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Big thanks for spending time on a Tuesday. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play can get the audio podcast, the full show, or different segments. And give us a rating, good, bad, ugly, and subscribe. It don't cost nothing. can also subscribe to HaleVarsity.com and magazine. HaleVarsity.com backslash offer. It's where you get signed up in the full show. If you want the video portion of the Hale Varsity YouTube channel or the, e, uh, or the Hale Varsity Radio, HVarsity Radio Twitter feed, we'll have uh, it posted. Elijah Herbolt, Connor Clark, Chris Schmidt. Big thanks to Mitch Sherman, Andy Markowski. Tomorrow on the show, we will recap signing day 2.0. Comments from Coach Rule. We'll spend time with Mike Babcock. Evan Bland will also check in. And I don't want to jinx it, but we'll just say it. Amir Abdullah tomorrow on the show. So we'll check in with Amir, his year with Vegas. And uh, thoughts on the Big Red. And, of course, he played for Rule in Carolina. Mm. So that'll be good. We need our score predictions. We will not wager because we're not that sicko uh, on Nebraska and Illinois tonight. Cover, yay or nay, you start off. What's the line? The land of Lincoln. It's minus 14. And a half. Oh, it's up, to, it's up to 14 and a half. Okay. This morning it was, yeah. Okay, it, so it dropped. A... It's down. It's 14. We'll say it 14. Okay. Oh, well, that, that changes a lot now. Yeah. 14? <laughs> uh, no, it doesn't. Illinois still covers. I hate to say it. But, I mean, the way that Matthew Myers playing now, especially against Wisconsin, Terrence Shanda Jr. destroyed Nebraska last time these two teams met up. And that was before the injuries as well. You go into a hostile environment in the State Farm Center in Champaign, I, I have a hard time seeing Nebraska trying to keep this one close. I think Illinois covers. Okay. Uh, I think this isn't going to be as ugly as last time, uh, just because Illinois may be a bit disinterested. 
but uh, give me 78 to 62, Illinois the win and the cover. Well, just to keep us from becoming memed for all picking against Nebraska, I'll, I'll, I'll take Nebraska to cover this line, and I'll say Don't it's, feel obligated to just throw yourself in front of the 14's bus. Fourteen's a big line. You're picking with no, your it's heart not. Right it's, now. It's, it's, a big 14's line. 14's not big enough. 14's a big line. That's what I'll say. You're going to miss eight free throws. I think, I, I think <laughs> There's Nebraska, half of it right there. <laughs> Nebraska's going to be able to craft a defensive game plan that is not centered around Bandamil and Gary this time, so they have... Uh, some more options defensively of things to turn to. I think Illinois rolls out in the court and they see Sam Hoiberg in the starting lineup and they're going to take it easy tonight. And I think Nebraska <laughs> hangs with him in the first half. And then so disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm not disrespecting Sam. He's a great ball player at Pius, but like from a, a physical standpoint, like all those guys that you play in the Big Ten look a little different than you. It's as simple as he, that. Well, he's going to out hustle. I mean, give me the give me the scrappy. Yeah, he's he's going to out hustle you, but he's still that guy that like you know when I'm playing pickup basketball, I pick him out and say if I get a chance to post this guy up, like you better feed me. <laughs> Listen in the post. to you. This is I, unbelievable. I, I love this <laughs> this this hot take uh, round session here of. A light, and I listen. I haven't played pickup ball because I'm an old fat man, but I can just see you, you know, the former offensive lineman saying, "Yeah, I want the guy in the headband." Well, no, it's just like if he gets switched on to me, you better believe I'm going to be posting this guy up. I'm going to drive him underneath the rim. You I'm, are going to hammer him going to the rim once he blows by. Yeah, him. and and then I think you're discrediting how strong he is, though. I mean, the no, dude he's not is strong as Bill. Me. Not uh, strong as me. All right. Really? I'll, say, I, no, I'll take your word for it. That's a complete lie, dude. There's <laughs> Used no to be. There's no way in hell that <laughs> I would be able your, to back down back Sam in your, Back in your old lineman days. I'll go back to realism. But to get my score in here before we go, let's go uh, Illinois 70, Nebraska 61. Jeez. It's optimistic. We'll uh, do some receipts tomorrow. Talk to you at four on Hale Varsity. Thanks for tuning in. A Huda Media Production.